Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode four of the Action Research Podcast, somehow the first podcast dedicated solely to action research. My name is Adam Stieglitz, PhD candidate at the University of Louisville and co-founder of the Andean Alliance for Sustainable Development, a nonprofit organization that works in the highlands of Peru. And my name is Joe Levitan, an assistant professor and graduate program director at McGill University as well as the co-founder of the Sacred Valley Project and Centro Educativo Peatai. Both of these organizations work in the highlands of Peru. So the past few episodes, we've been talking about what is action research. And if you haven't listened, you can go back and find them. Most of your podcast distributors and outlets. Today, we want to shift to a topic a little bit more narrow. Specifically, we want to talk about who is action research. In other words, Who is action research for? What type of people might consider using action research methods and why? So let's jump right in. Joe, we were talking before the recording and you mentioned two broad categories of people who might consider action research methods, practitioners and researchers. And I was really glad to hear you say that because ironically, you and I both fall into each of those categories. So I think that's a good way to frame this podcast, and I was wondering if we could kick it off by you talking a little bit more about why you jumped right into those two categories, and then perhaps we can talk a little bit about how we can incorporate our own experiences into those ideas. Action research as a uh, term pulls both a practitioner orientation and a researcher orientation in the name itself. So the name really is indicative of what I think is really important about action research that it is both for practitioners and researchers. And one of the reasons I think this is important is because when we were talking earlier in episodes one through three, we discussed some of the important facets of action research and some of the ethical components and relationality and collaborative facets of action research, which might make people feel like this research paradigm is not for them. But I think it's really important to say that this paradigm is very inclusive. It's not an exclusive paradigm as some other research methods might seem. So we're not talking about some rarefied multi-linear regression analysis or some kind of advanced mathematical undertaking. We're talking about some very practical and applied approaches to make lives better in some way, shape, or form. From its start, action research was meant to bridge the gap between research and practice. There's been a well-documented gap between what practitioners learn and know and what's important for them, and then what researchers sometimes learn and know in their research, and whether what researchers find to the practices of the day-to-day lives of practitioners. And I think action research is really very consciously designed to bridge that gap. So we still have this dichotomy or this, maybe it's a false dichotomy. Like Adam, you said, we have, uh, both of us have been doing the research side as well as a practitioner side, mostly practitioner first and the researcher second. So this isn't a real dichotomy. And I think that action research allows for a continuum of researcher and practitioner, which is why we're going to talk about practitioners first and then move into researchers um, and think about action research from a continuum of positionalities in terms of time and space to do research first practice and vice versa. First, when we start talking about practitioners, basically any practitioner that works on some kind of people-centered activity can really benefit from action research in my mind, and that's what I would argue. People who want to learn a little bit about research and research methods can then thoughtfully engage in trying to improve their organization through understanding how to do action research well. 
our podcast is meant to support some of that for those of you who are practitioners and may not know too much about action research or research methods. We want to make it a little bit more simple so that you can do good action research to improve your organization. Practitioners who work in people-centered organizations, social work, healthcare, education, nonprofits, arts and music, businesses that are really focused on people, um, and any multidisciplinary practice that can benefit from working collaboratively with other people, working to improve some facet of some of the lives of others, working with ethical perspectives, etc. So our thinking about, at least my thinking about the practitioner side of action research is that practitioners who find issues within their organizations can then address those issues through action research, as long as they can also have the time and space to learn about how to do action research well. So it's a very inclusive concept, but it's also, there's some nuance and some importance to think through how to do this well so that you, you get the information you need and you learn what you need to actually improve things. Excellent. Maybe I can come in. This is a good place for me to come in and talk a little bit about what that's looked like for me as director of a nonprofit organization here, here in Peru. How does that sound? That sounds great. Okay. So as Action Research is involved within our organization, I think it's first important to talk just a little bit about what we do. So our organization partners with really high altitude indigenous communities ultimately to help improve their livelihoods through agriculture practices, right? So it's agrarian communities around here, really high elevation. And the climate makes it really difficult to diversify crop yields and farmers have expressed the need to grow more vegetables, both for economic purposes, to sell their crops at the market, um, but also to improve nutrition and feed their families more healthy and diversified food. So how does action research fit into that? Well, it starts with relationships, right? Like for us as an organization, it was really important to not go into communities and identify these problems and tell them about what projects we could be doing together. It was more about us taking the time, spending time in communities, really getting to know people and building this level of trust, which ultimately led to the dialogue, and which was allow us to understand that actually the great need around here is for greenhouses. And then we started working together to figure out how we were going to accomplish that together. And the reason that I raised that issue as it relates to this discussion is because in that case, we're using action research methodologies to understand the, what the challenge is and how to go and address it, but from the community perspective, right? And that allows our organization to be successful because our projects are meaningful and it's what community members want and it's, it leads to long-term success. And that's what our evaluations have shown and it's because of action research processes. Excellent example. And I think that your particular work in Peru, for some of the listeners, might seem like this really cool, hard to reach space of the highlands of Peru. But the same things that you're talking about can work in something as simple as a public school classroom. As a former teacher, and then now working with teachers who want to do teacher inquiry and action research, those same practices that you talked about figuring out what's going on, what the issues are in the classroom, figuring out where students are at or if they have any issues from outside of, of the classroom that they bring in that need to be addressed in the classroom to help them learn better. It's the same or a very similar process that teachers engage in through relating 
with their students. So instead of thinking of students as the receptacles of knowledge, teachers think about students as active agents in their lives who can also contribute to their own education and to the betterment of the classroom. And so as a teacher who worked in urban Baltimore and the South Bronx, shifting the dynamic of saying, look, we're all in this together. We're going to work together. Let's identify some of the issues, some of the problems, and then go through this process of action research like you just talked about, Adam, was really helpful for me too. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And it really brings this idea for me full circle in that it's for practitioners working in any organization that's people-centered, right? Now I see how it's it's a, it's a similar process, but it doesn't really matter what type of situation it's in as long as it's people-focused, right? So your, your example with education makes a ton of sense and i think like we spoke about earlier you know that's all i could also see why it might make sense to use in healthcare or social work processes or even arts and music and, and even in the business sector wouldn't you say yeah instead of viewing people as consumers maybe you might see them as clients or people who have or who are part of an organization in the business that have their own agency and so instead of trying to sell something to the client you work with the client to make sure that you're providing a service that they they really need and want uh, for example right super interesting okay well I like how earlier you framed this, this conversation as existing on a spectrum, right? With practitioners on one side and researchers on the other. So based on what we were just talking about, what are the characteristics of people or approaches that people can use as it relates to action research methodology that start to bring you further along on this spectrum away from practitionership and more towards the researcher end of the spectrum. It's not mutually exclusive that you're either a practitioner or a researcher, right? It makes the most sense to combine the two, right? Because through action research processes, you're trying to improve a situation. Well, if, if you're a practitioner or a manager of an organization or the teacher of a classroom, there's always ways to improve. There's always things that you want to do to, to improve your processes, to have more impact, whatever it is you're doing. So taking a structured, process-oriented action research approach that allows you to systematically understand the challenges that you're facing and also what types of activities or information you need to get to the bottom of in order to improve that situation. I mean, it's really like, it's ideal, right? the best of both worlds. I think on the researcher end, you know, is when it becomes a little bit more formalized. You have to really be documenting your process. You have to be looking at it through the lens of data. You have to be considering perhaps an audience larger than outside of just your own organization. And especially if you're doing dissertation research like I am, you have to be able to really make a case and an argument for the validity of your study. But that's why... There's publications out, out there very specifically how to do action research in your own organization or how to do action research very specifically in your educational setting or classroom. And I think those are topics worth diving into a little bit more deeply uh, in future episodes. Yeah, I agree. So as we're talking about the spectrum and, and what you're talking about in terms of action research as being both action and research, when we talk about being a practitioner and a researcher, we're talking more about where the emphasis lies, right? So you, we were emphasizing at the beginning with the practitioners what, how to improve specific, very contextually bound facets of an organization that may or may not reach out to larger audiences, like you said, Adam. And then we we're talking about managers who may have a different positionality so that they may be thinking about their action research work a little bit differently. 
the work is the same, but the emphasis might be slightly different. And then when we're talking about researchers as researcher practitioners, we're shifting the emphasis a little bit more towards that research work in terms of validity, rigorously justifying your choices and sharing your arguments for why this research is valid and sound. And that emphasis does determine a little bit, I think, some of the ways in which we conceive of practice in the action researcher world and how we think about our positionality and where we emphasize you know, how much time we spend on X, Y, or Z in this process. So let's talk about the researchers. When we think about research, the goal of research, in my mind, is to contribute to theory and learning that is focused on broader field or community that transcends certain boundaries. So as action researchers working in Peru, we may, for example, really connect with and find a lot of meaning from somebody working in Ghana or somebody working in Argentina or the United States or Canada. And that transcending boundary, that discourse that we have that's kind of focused on the specific, but also looking towards the broader community of academics, researchers, and practitioners is the emphasis, I think, that researcher practitioners try to focus on. And there are some really great action research books out there that look at that contribution to theory through action research, and we'll include them in the description of this podcast, so people who are interested can read that. So it's not necessarily a matter of kind, but a matter of emphasis. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm with it. One of the areas that I think really jumps out for me with respect to researchers who use action research methods and methodology is this idea of data and the method, the specific methods in which you're using to generate data. We spoke in earlier episodes how action research is sort of like this little island within the world of academia, right? Because it is relatively non-conventional, but it seems like more people are starting to gravitate towards that island, right? As they become more critical of, frankly, more traditional methods, right? Where research methods where they're not seeing it lead to anything, where they're not seeing that short-term change. So if it is the case that action research is gaining momentum, I think it's worth addressing the importance of not only establishing quality and effective methods to, to guide the study, but also how you're documenting those processes and sharing it, right? So that other people who are interested in this field can also look at what you did and say, oh, that's a method that I can use or that's a method that I can tweak uh, in, my own, in my own research. And then in that same vein, well, how does that relate to data, right? I mean, there's, part of, there's a much larger dialogue here with respect to what constitutes data in action research. And I think that's also part of the discussion that needs to be had amongst people gravitating towards that island. Therefore, as you're doing action research as a researcher and really being clear about what your findings are, how that constitutes data and why others perhaps should consider a similar approach who are, who are thinking about action research, to me that all falls under this discussion of who could and should be doing action research. Yep, those are great questions for us to continue discussing, especially with others and also just between ourselves in future episodes, because those are the key. I think those you really, as I like to say, hit the nail on the head when it comes to the controversies in action research and thinking through as a growing field that is attracting more people, like you said, what is data? What counts as a justified finding? 
And what is good quality action research? How do we do that? And thinking through not only the findings themselves, like you said, but also the processes and the different variations. You know, we've mentioned that there's all kinds of different action research methodologies out there. There's YPAR, Youth Participatory Action Research, there's Participatory Action Research, there's Critical Participatory Action Research, there's Transformative, there's uh, Emancipatory Research, there's Student Voice, there's all these different things. Because we, as a field, this uh, our action research has this overarching umbrella of a field that kind of shares a values-based approach to research and bridging the research and practice divide. We see that these different tweaks and these different subtle considerations for context and culture and the different people and positionality are really important. And I think as we continue this podcast, we can start to outline some of those specific ones with other researchers who have done really interesting studies in that field. Yeah. And I think, you know, just to sort of wrap up this part of the discussion specific to researchers doing action research, for me, I think it's safe to say, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and wondering if action research is for you and you're a graduate student and think about research, I think it's for people who are willing to think outside of the box. I think it's for researchers who are creative. I think it's for researchers who are interested in change. I think it's for researchers who believe in the importance of relationships and human-to-human interaction. And ultimately, I think it's for researchers who are willing to take a little bit of a risk, you know, and look at their studies in a long-term lens, considering the iterative nature of action research, and are looking for for gratification. And also, certainly, for uh, researchers who are willing to take some criticism, because I think that's part of the game when it comes to publishing in the field of action research. Yeah, I think that is is exactly right. And um, yeah, I got nothing more to add. I think those are the attributes of people who actually research is for. You know, and in terms of iteration and time, I think that iteration can happen, you know, within a couple of weeks, a couple of months or a couple of years. So the importance is iteration and the willingness to devote multiple rounds of this research cycle in order to understand something rather than just trying to do one off. And so the timing and the relationships are important. And timing is, we discussed at length in episode three about how long action research can take. And I want to walk that back a little bit, reflecting on, you know, as action research is about reflection, I want to walk that back a little bit in terms of who it can be for. Because, for example, teachers doing teacher action research inquiry only have their students for eight to nine months. Some of them have them for 12 months, some of them have them for three years, but generally the classic consideration of a classroom is that you have one academic year with your students. And that's still, even that one academic year is plenty of time to do action research. So I just want to contextualize some of what I was saying before, because you can transform a classroom in this smaller space with a few iterations, whereas the work that you and I do, Adam, which is a longer term, which is more embedded, which is about more transformative long-term change in terms of making sure communities have the autonomy and self-determination to make their lives better, that will take a little bit longer. But action research doesn't necessitate that. It's just, it requires iteration and a thoughtful engagement with time. Yeah, super insightful. So Joe, let me ask something. As as we start to wrap things up, I mean, we kind of net organically put this conversation in a box, right? Like we kind of said, we we want to talk about who is action research. And we ended up really dialing in on this this researcher practitioner continuum or spectrum and everything that exists within like is there anything you think that's worth noting with respect to like 
outside of that spectrum before we hit close on the podcast for today. You said that there's two types of people that might be interested in, re- in, in action researchers, researchers and practitioners. I feel like it's a much wider, there's a much wider array. Part of me thinks it wonders if it's just, is it for anybody? Can anybody do action research? Or, you know, are these just the two areas that we highlighted for the sake of this conversation? Yeah, that's a great question. I think we just highlighted these two areas for the sake of conversation. And we can reflect upon how our, our minds and the way, ways in which we think like to create different categories and boxes so that we can make sense of something that's complex and fluid. I think personally that action research can be for anybody. And I think that when we talk about the continuum of spectrum of practitioner and researcher, nobody's going to fall completely on the practitioner side and nobody's going to fall completely on the researcher side. That's the beauty of action research. But we created this spectrum of practitioner and researcher so that we can highlight how people fall within this continuum. So somebody might be right in the middle as just really balanced, completely balanced action and research. And then there might be somebody who's more focused on the action rather than the research. And there might be somebody who's more focused on the research rather than the action. And so we wanted to be thoughtful in my mind when we created this podcast or we were thinking about this topic, it was about how do we consider the different positionalities along this continuum, recognizing that nobody's going to fall into these two very specific sides of pure researcher or pure practitioner. And instead just try to open up the, the box a little bit now with this disclaimer saying that action research can really be for everybody. What do you think? I think you're right, man. And I think it makes me want to take a step back from this whole conversation, frankly, for just a second while we're recording and kind of go back to, you know, some of this big picture vision for this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of want, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, one of the, one of the purposes of this podcast is to make it have interactive dialogue with the people that are listening so that we can all learn more about the field. So I would like to direct you to our Twitter feed, the AR pod, and tell us about the ways in which you have found yourself incorporated in the world of action research, or if it's something that you're thinking of, let us know a little bit more about what field you're in and why you're thinking about action research. And perhaps it's something that we can circle back to in the pod. Right. This podcast is for budding practitioners. It's for budding researchers. And we want, to be, we want this to be a tool and a, refer, a resource for people who are considering entering this field. So check us out on Twitter where we'll be publishing all of the podcasts and hopefully having some dialogue with you all as our listeners. And I don't know. I know on my end, that's, I don't really have too much more to say, Joe. I think it's a good place to leave it for now unless you have anything else you want to chime in about. Nope. I think that's it for me. Um, you know, there's more to, there's always more to talk about. I think that hopefully for the listener, this is a helpful way to think about uh, action research. And if they're curious about action research, recognizing that it is very likely that action research is for you. I also just want to say special thanks to Shika Dewakar for her production expertise and uh, hope to talk to you all soon. Thanks Shika. Talk to everybody soon. Hit us up on Twitter.